an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. We have things for traumatic incidents. We have like little meetings as you guys talk about your feelings. We have employee assistance program. If we feel like we're being affected, like we can go talk to a therapist. I think they pay up to three or four visits a year. But as far, and I've thought about this a lot, especially after the George Floyd incident, which is awful. I think two of the biggest things that need to change is hands down the perception of law enforcement. People, I wish they could have a better understanding of why we do the things that we do. You know, we have the Batman belt with all these weapons and stuff to protect us and other people for a reason, because our job is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so we handle things certain ways because of the potential danger. That I wish the public's perception of law enforcement would change a little bit. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Krista Rainey, and she is a deputy. She's waving. We're also on video. She is a very good friend of mine. I've known her probably 15 years or more. I've invited her on the podcast, not only because she's a cop, but she's also hilarious, and we have a really great time together. She started her career when she was 40 or 41? I was about to be 41. Right. So technically 40. (laughs) She is super goofy and fun. And in fact, this meeting was called Buttheads Unite. (laughs) We probably won't give it the title of that though. So Krista, please tell us your story of your transformation going from what you were doing before to what you're doing now. I had been looking for a job in law enforcement in New Jersey, which is, it's very difficult. There's a lot of people who, at at least at the time when I was doing it, trying to get a job in law enforcement. Something that came across my plate where I was offered a job in a correction facility and they hurried me through and I was all excited and I was rushing through the whole process, urinalysis, interviews, all that stuff. And I was really, really excited about it. And part of my routine, which I'm sure you remember on some level, I would always try to run like two miles a day. And I had this beautiful park behind my, my apartment and I did my run and I was walking around and I was just like looking at everything, appreciating the views and watching squirrels run. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but this something popped into my head. Like I was thinking about the job and corrections and I was like, it's not for me. This is, this isn't for me. This is Mm. not what I want to do with my life. And I had a friend He's a childhood friend who lives in and was a cop in Daytona Beach. And he had been for years trying to get me to come down and become a cop down here because he knew I wanted to do it. And I just never could, excuse the uh, phrase, pull the trigger. (laughs) That was on purpose. But I just, something just popped into my head one day and I was like, this this job isn't for me. I'm going to move to Florida. I had no idea that you were already thinking that. Because yeah, we talked and I knew nothing about that. 
you, oh, you know I that, thought right? I told you that. No, no. And, and it was, I remember I called you within a couple of days of me making that decision. And you were like, that's great. Here's what you got to do. And you started telling me all this stuff that I got, you know, like, get yourself ready. Don't wait. Don't push it back. You made the decision. What's in your heart. You got to do it now or else you're going to, you might talk yourself out of it. I think. Well, that I remember that conversation. I'm talking about when I connected with your dad who had crossed over and he was like, yes, there's a place in Florida that starts with a D and it sounds like Daytona or something like that. And he said for you to go there to get your training. And I remember not, uh, you had never told me anything about this other guy telling you that there was training in Daytona. I didn't know that. Yeah. And actually you said to me that my dad said, get in the car with him. And in my head, I was like, okay, that's my friend, Mike. That's Mike. He's talking about Mike is the cop in Daytona. I mean, I couldn't think of anything else that it could be referring to. And I had actually, I did that. Oh, you did do a ride with him. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really big leap. I left, I, I had a, I was, in the kind of a relationship and all of my friends, my family, except for you, because you were down there. Well, yeah, and I wound up moving from we when we were talking about this, I was up in New York. Then I went down to Florida, which yeah. I didn't even know I was going to do. And then because Fen got a job down there and then I was down there and then you were like, I'm coming down. I was like, no way. And and then <laughs> I was like, why don't you stay with us while you do your training to become a cop? So you did. And that was a, it was a the best decision of my life. And I can't believe I made the decision so quickly. I mean, I was walking in the park and decided to move down here, but it really was the the best decision I've made in my life. It was hard. I was very homesick for a while. And you know that. (laughs) Very happy about that. You had, you saw many tears from me when I first moved down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Maggie (laughs) helped you out, our dog. And um, you watched some TV when we would go to sleep and all that. Yeah, Zeno, Warrior Princess. And you'd be like telling me about it. I'm like, I've never seen it, Krista. Very sad. I know. So we also used to work out together. Do you remember that one time where we were talking... (laughs) Know what you're gonna say. <laughs> we, were, we were just hanging out talking while we were working out what did I say <laughs> I said something about I was <laughs> if I was gay this. that's what you if I was gay <laughs> which she is and uh <laughs> and then she immediately threw up from because <laughs> you you took your vitamins and you're working out and I always uh-huh. said remember when you said if I was gay and then you threw up <laughs> Yes, oh I gosh. took my vitamins. I didn't take them early enough. Like if I don't take them on a full stomach, it makes me nauseous. Right. And that's what happened. It wasn't <laughs> about me talking about my myself being gay. Yes, no. <laughs> anyway, well, so so here's the thing. So you wound up going through training with us. That was like what, eight months or something? Like six months, something? It was nine months. Okay. Wow, it's long. And then you you graduated and then you got your job in Flagler, which is where you're at right now. You've just been doing incredible things, but you also met your wife, right? Yes. I first worked for the Flagler Beach Police Department and she is, well, she's now a lieutenant there at the Flagler Beach Fire Department. And I love her. She's awesome. She's pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love her too. She puts up with us when we hang out. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Krista and I are like two little kids when we hang out. So you met your wife and now you, I know you're very intuitive and used to call it your spidey sense. What else did you call it? Oh, your ESPN. My ESPN. <laughs> so you use your ESPN to figure out like what situations are dangerous, right? 
Yes. And it's very helpful. Obviously, in my job, it's is very dangerous or can be very dangerous, just like most law enforcement officers. So there are times when that traffic stop that I had at the Wawa and I ended up having to wrestle with this guy. Some of the things that I did on that traffic stop were a little different than what I normally do on traffic stop. Like I'm always very big, huge on officer safety, but I remember like looking back at the video and going, I don't know why I made him do that. Or I asked him to do that. So you were definitely channeling something else like to help you through it. Yeah. I don't even know why I said, I told, I never tell people, look, do me a favor, put your hands on the dashboard. I don't say that. For some reason, I made him do that. I don't know if something was speaking to me or whatever it was made me treat him a little differently than I normally interact with people on traffic stops. Do you remember your dad saying he was going to protect you? I swear I've had dreams where I thought he said that. Telling me to tell you that. I just got like a really big churning of my stomach when you said that, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. Very good. Not like I'm I'm not going to puke again. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny that you just said that. That's really funny. That was a very scary thing that happened. Yeah. Tell everybody what happened because it was not a routine traffic stop, though it should have looked like one, but thank God you had the dash cameras and your, and you have your camera, right? On your test or something? Yeah. That got kicked off almost immediately once we started tussling. But so I just pulled somebody over for speeding and he was immediately, the driver was immediately just argumentative and difficult the whole time because there was two of them. I smelled marijuana. I knew I was going to search the vehicle. I explained that to him. I'm like, Hey, look, you got a little bit of weed on, you know, big deal, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he's still being a little difficult. So I decided for safety reasons, like somebody's argumentative, they might just escalate a little bit more. So I put him in handcuffs, put him in the back of my car. As we're getting the other guy out, my partner starts to pat him down. You also said like the other guy was saying to the other guy, yo, chill, 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 dude, chill. Yeah, don't, right? yeah, like, just stop, stop arguing. He kept yeah. saying that. So at that time I was just like thinking, okay, I'm not going to have a problem with him. And again, like I said, I told him while we were dealing with the driver, keep your hands on the dashboard. Don't move them. Don't use your phone kind of stuff, which like I said, I never tell people to put their hands on the dashboard. That's just like, just don't move around in the car. Anyway, so we get him out start to pat him down and he immediately starts just like trying to pull away from me. And I I tell him, I'm like, okay, now you're going to go in handcuffs like the other guy. And then he just pulls away from me. You don't see it in the, in the video, but I did like this football ankle tackle. He's trying to run away from me and I got him by the ankles. And then we just started, ended up tussling on the ground, me, him and my partner. And he's not complying. I keep telling him to stop fighting. He continues. And he was a really skinny guy, but he was very wriggly and very (laughs) difficult to control. (laughs) Eventually, you know, I asked for emergency backup because he was being so difficult. And another deputy arrives on scene. And at some point he gets the other deputy, like kind of tases him, zaps him a couple of times. And he continues to fight. And at one point I see him several times reaching for his waistband. And I tell the other deputies that eventually we're able to get him under control, get him in the handcuffs. As I go to put him in in the car, I find a loaded firearm in his waistband, which is what he was reaching for. I think initially he was trying to get away, but once he realized he wasn't getting away, he He was was trying to shoot you. Yeah. Yes. And so that was the first scary moment when I found the gun. And then the second scary moment is because he wouldn't tell us who he was. When we eventually did find out who he is, 
who he was. He was wanted for murder in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Several murders, wasn't it? No, I think it was just the one, but he was suspect in a couple of other crimes, but he, he was a bad guy. He's a pretty bad boy. <laughs> so your intuition was going off saying like, this is not a good idea. Like this guy's going to pull some kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. And normally somebody who is going to do something like that, obviously they're not going to tell you, hey, if you're ready, the way. Do something bad. Get ready. Did you stretch? But something, like I said, my spidey senses were tingling a little bit. Yeah. But he still caught me way off guard. Still. Wow. It's interesting because when I was working with the kids in the school, in the most dangerous school in New York City, I remember there was one time where I got a kid down to the ground with his arm behind his back with my knee in his back because he had come from behind to try to hurt me. And I was like, I didn't even know how that I knew how to do that. (laughs) Like, I don't even know where (laughs) that came from. Like, it was definitely me channeling something. And then they, everybody in the class, all the other kids, like, were like, whoa, like, and I was kind of like, yep, that just happened. And I have no idea how that happened, but it like saved me from whatever he was going to try to do, which could have been really awful. So uh, yeah, I was kind of like a ninja and I did get a reputation <laughs> for having a black belt, which I didn't have, but it was the one course that my mom said, you cannot teach in that school if you don't take one self-defense course. So, and it was one hour, one day, one hour, and that was it. And, and whatever it was like that guy trained me and I got in my subconscious or something and it saved me if definitely more than one occasion in that dangerous school. So I, I understand the value of having intuition in such intense circumstances. I mean, it's really kept you safe. I mean, are there other times that you really feel like, oh, wow. Yeah. That was my intuition knowing something was off. There were, I would say like, I can think of one or two other instances where I was like, you know what, I'm not going up to that person and I'm not talking to them because they seem like, don't come near me. Don't talk to me. And I didn't need to talk to them. And one of the other deputies were like, why didn't you something about why didn't you go talk to them? And I was like, I just didn't feel like he, he didn't want me anywhere near him. And he was like, he hates women. He hates cops. And he apparently hit or punched or something that was years ago, but another female deputy, like really oh, wow. tried to hurt her. So they were all like, what are you psychic? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that normally I interview everybody and this, that, and the other, but he really wasn't part of what was going on. And I just felt like, don't go over to that guy. And I just didn't really think anything about it until that deputy told me that. Mm. I'm not saying he was going to do something to me, but. Right. But there was a good chance. Yeah. No, but you were reading the energy. That's awesome. Keep doing that. So Krista, like being a, first of all, I feel so much for Morgan. That's your, her husband, her husband. (laughs) Are you making me ungay again? (laughs) Yes. Are you going to throw up? Morgan is her wife. I absolutely love her and adore her. She also likes to play like a kid as well. I feel for her because every day, both of you guys, I mean, even for you, she's a firefighter. So the both of you are constantly risking your lives. Like this is something I don't think we've ever talked about, which is the fact that you really are risking your life. What happens in those moments where you are facing possible death? Like, do you have life reviews? Do you think like mini ones or are you like, is this what I should be doing? Or what, what are your thoughts when you think, when you're going into a very extreme situation and you think what could happen after this? I've actually never done that. (laughs) Which is how you (laughs) consistently be able to go in. I'm sorry. Let me, let me clarify. I've never actually, while I'm in that moment, I'm not thinking what could happen. What is this? I really have only thought about it 
afterwards. It's all afterthought. At the time, I'm so focused on the goal, like the girl who was going to jump on the bridge. She was trying to kill herself. And I ended up going up onto a fire engine ladder and yanking her off the outside. She was on the overpass over over 95. Holy crap. Yeah, twice, actually. Oh, God. I had to do this twice. With her? With her, yes. Holy moly. I had gotten handcuffs on her so that she couldn't jump as easily. I mean, she probably could have done something very nasty, like degloved her hands if she really, really wanted to. But I had to go up there and yank her off of the overpass. And people were like, I don't know how you got up on that really tall ass. I wasn't even thinking about it at the time until (laughs) I got her off. And then I'm looking down at how high up I am. But all that stuff is always an afterthought to me. It's the goal first. I got to get her off off the bridge or, or the overpass. And then when it's all done, I'm always like, okay, that could have happened. This could have happened. We do scary things. I think Morgan's more worried about me and what I do with my job than what she does. It's always after the fact. And, and I do actually do mentally prepare myself sometimes for what could be when, in, when I'm not in that moment. Like, okay, if I were to ever pull somebody over and they jumped out of their car and started shooting at me. Right. What do you where, do? What would I do? What would I do? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. But it's it, never in the moment. It's like before or after. <laughs> it's never in the middle. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, that's how you, you're able to keep doing what you're doing. Because if you really, really thought about it, probably self-preservation would take over and you wouldn't go in there. Yeah. I actually never thought about it that way. Yeah. You'd be thinking, this isn't what I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be getting shot at right now. I never got shot at. I'm just being dramatic. That's not supposed to be happening. I need to leave. <laughs> so, but yeah, maybe, and maybe that's subconscious on my part, not to think about it at that moment. Chris and I met on a dating website. <laughs> like <laughs> she's hiding. <laughs> um, <laughs> like whatever it was 20, 20 years ago or something like that. I remember in one of our conversations, you said you were a thrill seeker. So do you think that that plays into it? 100%. Yes. I mean, I think if you interviewed a lot of law enforcement officers, I would wager to guess probably 70% of them are adrenaline junkies like me. Hmm. I mean, that's just a guess. I'm not, I didn't actually pull anybody, but yeah. Right, right, right. right. It definitely plays a part of it. So my next question for you is what do you think needs to change from the inside out from the police department? Because obviously police are a lot in the media for being these assholes and doing things. And I know you, so I know that's not actually true. Yes, but I am an asshole. You yeah, know. well, you are an asshole. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> but, but no, I mean, there are some bad cops, but there are some bad people everywhere, right? And maybe there is more of a concentration in the field, which also I've mentioned on other podcasts is like, everybody's surprised that cops may be inappropriate or do things a little harshly or are more abusive or whatever, but they're also people who, like we were just talking about, risk their lives all day long and see the most traumatic things and see the worst sides of, of humanity. And then you guys aren't really offered some emotional support, right? Like it's very little. I remember us having a conversation about this, that you guys don't have a lot of trauma release work that you guys are doing on a regular basis to make you more present or less agitated or scared or whatever. So what are your thoughts about the police department and what needs to change? Well, we do have some things in place. We have things for traumatic incidents. We have like little meetings as you guys talked about your feelings. We have employee assistance program. 
if we feel like we're being affected, like we can go talk to a therapist. They, I think they pay up to three or four visits a year. But as far, and I, and I thought about this a lot, especially after the George Floyd incident, which is awful. I think two of the biggest things that need to change is hands down the perception of law enforcement. People, I wish they could have a better understanding of why we do the things that we do. You know, we have the Batman belt with all these weapons and stuff to protect us and other people for a reason, because our job is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so we handle things certain ways because of the potential danger that I wish the public's perception of law enforcement would change a little bit. The inside out, I think they're, and it, it really like, I was like, how can we fix this? How can, for the bad eggs, I'm talking about the law enforcement officers who have done bad and horrible things. Mm-hmm. How do we prevent that from happening going forward? And the only thing that I've come up with so far is a, a better screening process when you initially get hired. And I also think that we need to have more periodical psychological evaluations, because I'm wondering if some of these people have behaved in the way that they have because of either traumatic events while they're working the job Mm -hmm. or whatever, but there's some, there's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And I think there needs to be some more ability to be able to do like checks and balances on that. You could start the job over here and become a very, very angry or defensive and or jaded person. Mm-hmm. because of the job. I mean, we constantly, nobody wants to see us. Nobody wants to have an interaction with the law enforcement. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like nobody wants to get pulled over. Nobody wants to. No, you know I, I mean? know. Like, We're all well, trying to escape you. <laughs> yes. We're there on their worst day. We're right. dealing with yeah, the darkest worst night. Day. Right. Sure. So we get a lot of angry. I don't want, I don't want to talk to you. I don't, I don't want you here. Get out of here. You can fill in all the expletives you want to. We've heard them all. Right. So that can, can, can wear down on you. Like I have days where I'm like, oh, I've had like six people in a row yell at me. I'm sorry. You were speeding. So I think that that can wear on somebody. So I think that better checks and balances. I don't know if that's the solution, but that's just my theory. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, and I know that with, even with bad teachers, I mean, there were teachers that would do some shit that I was like, that's definitely not okay. But I remember feeling, cause I was new at it. My hands were tied with regard to like tattletailing or getting them out of their position or whatever. Sometimes there's yeah. a lot of sweeping under the rug. I remember vaguely a teacher who was inappropriate, got moved to another school like it was like oh like passing off the problem right it shouldn't happen but that happens in law enforcement too yeah law enforcement people it's like like you're a problem let's push you to somewhere else rather than dealing with it so okay so i i can get on with that like i think that's a good idea get on board with that i asked you what was one of your funniest arrests and you have a funny story for that (laughs) this bouncer had flagged us down and said look this lady is way too drunk to be driving. I took her keys. I know I'm not supposed to do that, but maybe you guys can go talk to her and talk her out of driving. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just went over there like, listen, don't. And she was very, very drunk. I mean, she was swaying while she was standing. So we're like, listen, don't drive. If you drive, you're going to jail for a DUI. And she's like, okay, I'm not going to drive. <laughs> and guess what? She drove. <laughs> oh my God. She got in her car. No. Yes, she did. And then she tried to, she actually tried to pretend that she wasn't driving. Like she drove past my car and then pulled in 
50 feet down from and pulled into a parking spot. Like, like I just had some sort of hallucination. Like I wasn't driving. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, took her to jail on the way there. She keeps telling me that she has to pee. She has to pee. And I said, well, we're going to be at the jail in a few, it's going to be like five miles and you're, you'll be able to go to the bathroom. I have to pee. I have to pee. I have to pee now. It's like, just hold it. So we get to the jail and I go to get some stuff that I need to finish the arrest report for her and a very foul odor (laughs) smacked me in the face. And I looked at her and I said, did you just crap your pants? (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, I told you, like it was spiteful. It was a malicious hurting. Like I told she pooped her own pants and it was very runny and very stinky. And it was all over her. It was all over the back seat. It was not funny at the time very funny right do now. you guys have like the new guys that are on the police force clean up the cars like when there's something like that <laughs> like that's an initiation mean, and that's hazing uh, I know. Um, <laughs> no they actually have they call them trustees at the jail the people who are like well-behaved prisoners oh. they let them and they have them come up and clean out the cars. oh god okay. yeah so good thing you didn't have to i wouldn't want you i'm so there. glad i didn't have to I probably would have cried. Yeah, um, it, that was, was bad. it was very, very stinky. What should we all know if we ever encounter a cop and we're like not really b- that bad, but we sort of like maybe did something wrong? <laughs> Just be honest and do what they tell you to do or not. Don't do what they tell you not to do. That's it. I think a lot of conflict could be avoided if you just said, hey, can you give me your driver's license? Sure, here it is. Mm-hmm. But why do you need to see my driver's license? What do you need that for? Am I under arrest? Am I being detained? Just compliance. It's just very easy. It would it would be in and out. And a lot of people don't know this, but this is my own personal opinion. <laughs> people who get pulled over and yell at cops are far more likely to get a ticket than somebody who doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kill them with kindness. I know. I always do that. You don't even have to be kind. Just yeah. if we ask for your license and insurance, just give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> So what are, what are some, one of the like lame excuses that somebody's given you for, let's say speeding or the lamest, I can tell you the ones that I know I hear a lot. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know what the speed limit was. Which um, ones are the ones that'll get us off of the ticket? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sorry. Gonna, I've never gotten one. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I know I've, I've heard people go, I know. I just, as soon as I passed you, I looked down at my speedometer and I, I'm so sorry. It's easy. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're admitting it. I know. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. I was in a rush. I had to go pick up my son from daycare and I wasn't paying attention to the speed. I know it's dangerous. Oh, I had a guy tell me that he was speeding because his blood sugar was low and he's diabetic and he was rushing to the store to get some sugar, some candy mm-hmm. so that he could bring his blood sugar back up. I don't know if he forgot the lie. Or whatever, but then he's like, he's like, look, look, I just and he pulls up a bag of candy, and I was like, well, you just told me you were speeding to go get the candy. <laughs> so people um, are such idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need to be speeding anymore because you have you already candy. have it. You're fine, dude. You just you just held it up. You held up the bag <laughs> and showed me. What well, was, what was his face? Well, like he must have been like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, the best part about it was speeds all the time in our county apparently and that's what he says every time he gets pulled over that's why he was speeding (laughs) 
what that's not fair he can't be using a real legitimate medical excuses and he might actually have that i know but like blood sugar but don't yeah keep some food on hand man (laughs) (laughs) some honey or some any other stories you want to share with us that were ridiculous i wish you would have asked me in advance because i would have had a list uh Um, excuse me this this meeting was called as by heads unite we're gonna have to come back on this i'll have to do another interview and, oh you know, all right i'll have all a right. list of like funny stories well tell There's... morgan your husband because <laughs> <laughs> i am straight no seriously i do want to see you guys soon unfortunately we only see them probably once a year yeah. uh, but you guys gotta come out to colorado we come to florida yes i do want to go to colorado i love it out there and i love your painting by the way uh-huh, thank your, you behind your head oh by the way this whole interview has been done while she was in a real cop car can you can you put on the lights and sirens for us? Sure. Oh snap! <laughs> Your neighbor was lurking. My neighbors like, are what the fuck? <laughs> they know me. It's okay. All right. Chris, it's been so awesome catching up with you and hearing your insights on what it's like to be a cop. I'm so grateful that you did become a cop because who knows what you've stopped from happening that could have been disastrous. So I really appreciate you being on this planet. And also thank Morgan for being on this planet because she's also doing some amazing things. Thank you for being on the planet. (laughs) You're welcome. She just pointed at me. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. Love you too. Content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show, website or other platforms, including text, images, audio or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.